Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. We made it. Oh, yes. I mean, we most definitely made it. And was it a successful made it? I guess because we're still here to tell the story. I guess it was. Exactly. I thought about that this week. There were a lot of obstacles, but then there were also a lot of miracles. Like things happened in work and just life where I thought like, oh God, if this doesn't work out, it's going to be bad. And it worked out. So while I could focus on like the fact I had those obstacles, the fact is I got through it. And it doesn't negate. Tony Robbins moment. No, I hated it. But it also doesn't negate Ah. that those, um, (laughs) those bad moments were, you know, not negative. I think it's okay to have little negative moments pop up. It just depends on how you handle it. Look at you having your Tony Robbins moment, Ryan. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Ooh. All right. Well, coming up on the show, Black Trans Nation is joining us to talk about the repeal of the walking while trans law in New York. And we're also going to be looking at why celebs are saying to pay attention to farmers in India. That's coming up on the show as well as many stories of the day. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said today that former President Donald Trump still rules the Republican Party. How did she get so brainwashed? And uh, said the impeachment push against him is a circus that enriches the same media companies that have cashed in on fake outrage and deepened the nation's political divisions. He was a president that wanted every single person to achieve. And that's why we supported him. That's why I've always supported him. And I want to tell you, Republican voters support him still. The party is his. It doesn't belong to anybody else. Now, that was uh, Green speaking at a press conference on Capitol Hill. She downplayed the vote this week that happened last night to strip her her of her committee assignments, saying she plans on focusing her energy on pushing a conservative vision and holding the Republican Party accountable and pushing them to the right. Now, every NFL team will make its stadium available as a mass vaccination site. That comes from NF Commissioner Roger Goodell, who wrote that in a letter to President Biden. The offer comes as the Biden administration has promised the opening of mass vaccination sites as part of its push to ramp up the pace of COVID inoculations. This is what Goodell wrote. This is currently being done at seven NFL stadiums today. We can expand our efforts to stadiums across the nation more effectively because many of our clubs have offered their facilities pre Previously as COVID testing centers. They're basically just like switching that up as well as election sites. According to an NFL spokesman, the seven clubs that have already activated vaccination sites, if you want to check them out, are Arizona, Atlanta, Baltimore, Carolina, Houston, Miami, and New England. And finally, this is an interesting story, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves Fauci. So, of course, we know he's worked at the front of the coronavirus pandemic and also of the AIDS epidemic. But he actually was speaking to Terry Gross on NPR's Fresh Air this week. And he said there is a stark contrast between COVID deniers who have sent him death threats throughout the pandemic and the AIDS activists who protested against him in the 80s. And he he said during this time, he tried to have empathy and really get into their shoes, like see what it was like to actually go through this. He said this, and this is the, the statement that's making headlines. I went into the bathhouses to essentially see what was going on. And the, and he went... Oh, my goodness, this is a perfect setup for an explosion of a sexually transmitted disease. And the same thing going to the gay bars and seeing what was going on. And it gave me a great insight, he says, into the explosiveness of the outbreak of the disease. 
So Why? that was an interesting reveal. I mean, honestly, I would have never thought Fauci going into a bathhouse would be on my bingo card. Um, but <laughs> we're in luck, people. 2021. Okay, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yo, so did Taylor Swift steal the name of her album Evermore from a theme park? It's time for your tea report those pop culture stories trending right now. So a fantasy theme park in Pleasant Grove, Utah, filed a suit against Taylor Swift, claiming the pop star infringed on their trademark name Evermore Park. Doesn't sound too pleasant to me. Um, the, comp, uh, the complaint also alleges that Swift's 2020 album Evermore has called actual confusion and negatively affected their search engine pl placements. Um, basically, Taylor Swift's attorneys are calling the, pa uh, the park's claims baseless and ignored the cease and desist letters sent to the singer on December 18th. Uh, in a statement to the Tribune, the park director of human resources claimed that Evermore's guests had assumed they were in collaboration with the cardigan singer. But my thing is, why are they so upset by about this? Wouldn't they be happy about the press? Well, they're saying though, when you now go search for them, you can't even find them. So it doesn't even matter. No, but then they also <laughs> were saying that people would show up and be like, oh, you know, is this the, with Evermore, all that, like the Taylor Swift album? So yeah, I get it. it. It sucks, but I don't know if they have a claim here. That's your T report. Any, yeah. Okay, so we have a special thing to wrap up uh, the Tea Report. We have your chance to win your way into an exclusive pay-per-view concert special with artist Max and his Color Vision Deluxe Experience on Saturday, February 27th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win a pair of passes plus a meet and greet with Max. So go over to WeAreChannelQ.com to find out all the information. That's your team report. If you missed it, I'm saying it again next hour. Love, Max. Well, coming up on the show, stimulus check updates. The Senate has okayed a coronavirus relief package. So when are you going to get your check? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. President Joe Biden shared his case today for moving fast and without Republicans to pass his $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill. So what happens now, as we always ask? Richard Fowler is back with us. He's a Fox News contributor. Thanks for being here again. Nice to see you. It's good to see you guys as well. Happy Friday. You know, happy Friday. Are we going to get anywhere right now with this? Because earlier this week, you know, GOP made their pitch and then there was this all night session that ended at 530 a.m. today. So where does everything stand now? So I think this I think we'll definitely get something by early March from the Congress that will go to Joe Biden's desk. Now, what that something will be, I think that is what we're waiting to find out. Will there's something measures that will likely be in that something? Uh, I think you'll definitely see some money for state and local governments. I definitely think you'll see some funds to help with the vaccine distribution. There'll definitely be some money to, ex to extend um, <clears throat> unemployment insurance for those folks who are um, looking for jobs or trying to make ends meet and they're currently unemployed due to the pandemic. There'll definitely probably be some more PPE money in there. And I also think you'll see stimulus checks in there. The question of what those stimulus checks amounts will be and who will get those stimulus checks is what's still up for debate. And I think the big question that's still left looming is will we see an increase in the minimum wage in this bill? There's been various test votes on this. Mm. Will the Democrats have enough votes in the Senate to get something like that across? The fact that Kamala Harris was sort of in the chambers this morning at 5.30 a.m. Um, to vote on, to break the tie on a 51-50 vote shows the Democrats are very serious about moving government forward if even though republicans continue to obstruct yeah and i i love to see that sense of urgency but i do feel like there's been a lot of flip-flopping on the amount of those stimulus checks one minute we're hearing 1400 the next we're hearing 2000 i mean joe biden basically promised black folks if they elected joe osaw and reverend warnock that they would get two thousand dollar checks i'm asking where my coin is and it, i want it to be in the form of two thousand dollars <laughs> So what the and what if the White House was answering that question, what the White House would say to you is they would say, Brian, in December, uh, Demo Senate Democrats gave you a down payment on your two thousand dollars. They gave you a six hundred dollar check, nah, and then you voted for. I'm just telling you what they're going to say. I'm not telling you I have an opinion on it. I'm just giving you. What <laughs> I want to know your opinion on yeah. it. 
Well, let me finish telling you what they're going to tell you, and I'll give you my opinion. And then they're going to say, after that, so that was the down payment. You Black folks came out in record numbers. They voted for John Ossoff. They voted for Reverend Raphael Warnock. And not only for African Americans, but also for working class families. And because this is a bit, we know this pandemic has been tough. Even though the unemployment numbers ticked down, we've also seen that women in the month of December lost all the jobs. There was no men that lost jobs, just women, which tells you just how tough this pandemic has been on them. Yikes. Uh, uh, you know, I think he would say this $1,400 is the rest of that $2,000 check. How that's going to sell with the American people, I think the White House is going to have to talk about that. Now, I think what the, the distinction that, that you're going to hear Joe Biden uh, and Democrats make is the, Democrat, the Republicans are trying to give you $600. So we're trying to give you $2,000. We've got it down to $14,000 and, and trying to make a deal. They were trying to give you 600. Who's on your side and who isn't? Which is the question at the end of the day, Ryan, to answer your question. I mean, I do have to say, though, that I think, especially because of the turnout that we saw and everything that Stacey uh, Abrams and so many Black activists took to the streets, I do think we're getting to a point where people are tired of compromise and people are tired of just having to kind of settle for something, especially when we saw Republicans for the past four years push whatever they wanted through without the regards of trying to compromise or anything. So do you think if they don't give the promises that they said they would give, is that going to be a bad look for Democrats, especially when you're talking about keeping the Congress, uh, you know, in a Democratic Senate and all these things like there's a lot that is like kind of Ryan, we just went through an election. You trying to go through the next election already? We no, I, you got to talk. You got to talk dang. about it, though. You got to really talk about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Listen, here's what I'm, here's my take. I, I agree. I do think that, you know, they're for African-American voters, especially they're looking at this White House and this Congress and saying, look, we showed up for Democrats. Democrats now control all the levers of power in Washington. And we expect to see some results in our favor. And I think that the president, the vice president, Speaker Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are well aware of that. Now, how they choose to fulfill that, I think we're going to have to wait to see. I think we are 20, what, 23 days into this presidency. So to start saying we haven't seen we haven't seen it, it's it's been 23 days. Clearly care. There seems to be a clear key care around racial equity. We've heard the president say it. We've heard the president act that way in various measures, and I think we're going to see it come to pass. Well, Richard Fowler, thanks for being here again. Richard is a Fox News contributor. (laughs) Now coming up next, Super Bowl weekend is here. How to not be a COVID spreader. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. One in four Americans plan to gather with people outside of their household to watch the Super Bowl this Sunday, despite public health warnings to avoid gatherings during this time. And back with us is Dr. Michael Sag, who's an infectious diseases expert. Thanks for being here. Good being wet back with you guys. So what is the status right now? I mean, you're in the hospital. You are working every day in Alabama. What are you feeling about the state of things? Well, the overall numbers are going down uh, as far as hospitalized patients and the cases are coming down, which is good news. Some of that's due to vaccination. And some of that's due to the fact that we're now rolling out of of the Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's timeframe when despite all the warnings and all the advice to say, don't go outside your bubble, uh, it's risky, people did that anyway, which comes back to the Super Bowl, which is this weekend. And we're saying the same thing. Uh, Try not to go out with a lot of people keep your numbers of people small, ideally the same people who you kind of live with and that you're around all the time. But anytime you invite somebody into your bubble, if you will, and they are not uh, part of people who you normally see, um, that's really not a smart activity now. Variants are out there. They're more infectious. They're more transmissible. And the vaccines are on the way. Why take that extra risk? Just one more time, Hunker down and try to stay safe. But Dr. Sag, I'm the voice of everyone saying this and listening. What about if I get a negative test result? Is it not okay? It's not okay. I I don't know how else to say this. We don't, this is now our third, our fourth chance in the last two months to get it right. 
We didn't do so well on Thanksgiving. We didn't do well Christmas. We didn't do well New Year's. So let's do this one right. Let's just, it's Super Bowl can be watched. You can, you can do it at home. You have people around you who you're normally with. Let's just keep it to that. The worst thing to do is to go to a bar. Absolute worst place to be on Super Bowl Sunday because you've got people crowded in there and most people are not wearing a mask when they're drinking. It's kind of hard to drink mm-hmm. a beer through a straw. So let's just be real about this. We're almost out of this if we can just hang tight for another three or four months while enough people get vaccinated, boom, we can start returning to normal then, but not now. Okay, talking to Dr. Michael Sack, who's an infectious diseases expert about Super Bowl Sunday. And the fact that people uh, seem to want to hang out, they want their parties, they want to continue like business as usual. So uh, I guess if you are going to have, I don't even know if I should say it, have someone over outside, is outside possible at your place, a few people, uh, social distance. I mean, what do you even do with snacks? Like, uh, how does it even work? What's the point? I think that, I think your last comment is the right one. And I know I've been sounding like Ebenezer Scrooge and maybe I'm Ebenezer Nick Saban or something at this point uh, for football. But the point is, why? I, I understand that it's it's optional and something we want to do, but it's not really something we need to do. Mm-hmm. And once you catch this thing, it's a little bit out of control. You don't know how it's going to react in you if you're the one who gets infected. So we know we're going to be getting out of this soon. Why take that risk? We have to kind of be realistic, though. Like Shira mentioned, you know, people are going to have their watch parties. They're still going to even listen to this conversation saying, who cares? So I guess what are the recommendations for those people who are still breaking the rules, but to do it as safely as possible as they can? Keep the number of people to five uh, total. That would be helpful. Uh, make sure that everybody's separated outside if possible, although it's kind of hard to get a TV outside, but maybe on a screen porch. Um, and then when you're not eating or drinking, uh, have the mask on. And that's the best you can do. But uh, the better option, obviously, is to just wait till next year. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just can't imagine. Tim can wait. Yeah, there's going to be a next year. So let's look for that. So, Dr. Michael Sags, so the CDC did release these guidelines uh, hosting a virtual Super Bowl watch party, uh, which I want to get your take on this. Wear clothing or decorate your home with your favorite team's logo or colors. Like, they're like uh, party organizers here. Make appetizers or snacks with the people you live with to enjoy while watching. Start a text group with other fans to chat about the game while watching. Uh, And if you do, yeah, do an outdoor viewing party do what you said but i find that fascinating that the cdc is now getting involved with like helping people do this virtually i love that you know we have so many things we can do with electronic media now uh that that really brings us together it's not the same i understand that but it is a way to get this done so let's do that this year dr michael sag thanks again for joining us today and have a good super bowl sunday if you care yeah i do and I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> Have to preface that on our show. Okay, coming up on the show, a vegan influencer is coming out as an animal rights activist and comparing it to coming out as queer. What? That's next. Let's go there with, with Shira, Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. So there's this TikToker. She's known as that vegan teacher. She told her followers that coming out as an animal rights activist was less selfish than coming out as a member of the LGBTQ community. Uh, And of course, she had a lot of blowback, so she doubled down on it. Why not? And tried to explain her reasoning. Here's that clip. Nobody is telling you to force yourself to be straight. Don't try to twist my words. I am saying that it is okay to be part of the LGBTQ community and that everyone should strive to be vegan. All of you people who talk about being oppressed should understand that you are also the oppressors. Now let's get into this because between PETA and this woman, the virality of this, I, I'm a bit worried. I'm, I am a vegan. I believe in environmental activism and protecting animals, but I'm not going to compare and contrast and like lead with that uh, 
I'm going to support animals more than I'm going to support humans. And that's the reason why I'm doing this. Like, I don't need to compare the plight of animals to the plight of being a human and contrast it and create a point system around it. Just weird. I mean, vegans like this. It's a pretty common thing, Shira. It's not shocking. Oh, yeah. I like animals that more than I like humans and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And so it's, it's, this is something that we continuously see. And it's unfortunate that we give folks like her platforms to one, it doesn't invalidate the good stuff that she's probably talking about when it comes to veganism Mm -hmm. or teaching folks how to get into it. But when you start talking about people, we're the oppressors and all of these things, which she ended up kind of trying to combat. And we, I think that was the clip that we played it just doesn't it doesn't connect and it it seems like she was trying to tell folks oh so basically i can choose i can basically be straight but like choose not to drink milk or something it was like it's just a weird comparison to people's sexuality or humanity when it comes to to animals like there's a way to get your point across without diminishing my experience oh, yeah. or diminishing a human over an animal i'm sorry it is what it is it's a circle of life the lion king talks about it it's that simple. It's a circle. Yeah, I love that song, by the way. Uh, now, this is how she responded, and, and this is basically the idea. She said, coming out as a vegan animal rights activist as someone who cares beyond themselves is much more special than it is to come out as a member of the LGBTQ community. Coming out as a member of the LGBTQ community is an entirely selfish act. It's talking about you only. <laughs> it's like really just showing up for yourself now is selfish and being proud of who you are is selfish. Again, I don't know why we need to say one is better than the other or even compare that. It's it's like comparing two totally separate things. So do you have vegans that you know that are like this? I know people. I feel I don't know anyone really actually personally, but I feel like I hear about this. And, and this is the thing that I, a lot of people feel like diminishes the importance of veganism and why you should do this. Right why it's an important decision, why it can help all of us in our world. And I don't think you get the point across by saying that, you know, you should think about this more than you should think about Black Lives Matter or being queer. Like, that's not how you get people on board with this by diminishing their own lived experience. You say it by, hey, you have your lived experience. And guess what? And if you care about the world and the future, there might also be something you might want to look into. That's that. Let us know what you think. Slide into our DMs at LGT Show. Coming up on the show, Biden has issued a presidential memo protecting rights of LGBTQ people internationally. This is huge. More details on that next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, what the repeal of New York's walking while trans law means, why it's important to know more about it. And we've got Trans Nation News joining us for that next. She is incredible. Our guest, so stay tuned for that conversation. But first, let's get into so much trending this hour. The uh, press during the White House briefings continue to be quite riveting. Uh, this is what happens when uh, Trump's not around and it's not as crazy and dramatic. They keep on trying to find these questions to stump the press secretary. Here's one exchange that's getting attention with Press Secretary Jen Psaki about why Biden is traveling this weekend. Zeke is ensuring that uh, people don't take steps to uh make others vulnerable um, in the, the in our effort to get the pandemic under control. Uh, as you know, any president of the United States, Democrat or Republican, obviously takes Air Force One, a private plane, uh, when they travel. Um, Delaware is his home, and so he looks forward to spending the weekend there and some time with his family. I mean, no news. There's just not a lot of news there, but... I mean, so, yeah, news, we knew that was going to happen. News was going to get a lot more boring. Um, <laughs> But um, I think that's a good thing. I don't take that for granted, be, to be honest, because remember when we were checking the news every five seconds and, and talking about trauma? It's annoying. Yeah. It's better. Yeah, it's definitely better with more calm. That's for sure. President Biden issued a presidential memorandum today that will protect the rights of LGBTQ people worldwide. Speaking of something great that's happening, the new policies will include combating criminalization and protecting LGBTQ refugees and asylum seekers. He told that to reporters after speech to State Department workers today. And the memo, as we know, isn't Biden's first pro-LGBTQ action since taking office. He's also removed former President Trump's 
arbitrary ban on transgender members of the military and ordered government agencies to comply with all non-discrimination laws, including protections for LGBTQ people. Now, Amazon workers at delivery stations are claiming that they've been forced to combine shifts into this crazy overnight shift lasting 10 or 11 hours where workers have dubbed it the mega cycle. According to a flyer from the workers organizing group, Amazon workers uh, United New York, actually they're called Amazonians United New York, the <laughs> mega cycle the mega cycle typically runs from 1 or 2 a.m. to 11 a.m. or noon. The flyer claims management adds workers onto mega cycles with very little warning and that workers may be forced off the job if they refuse to take on these new shifts. Now, the site motherboard who first reported the story, recounted this exact scenario. Workers at Chicago's facility claimed that on January 25th, management announced to workers that they'd be removed to a different site where these grueling shifts were already in place. The only alternative being to forfeit their jobs. Shifts here, they say, run from 1.20 a.m. to 11.50 a.m. Now, the company told Gizmodo that the majority of Amazon's logistics network is on the mega cycle. It added that shutting down that location in Chicago was in the best interest of its customers and that it increased efficiency. It also said that it offers other shift types, both full and part time, and that it supports employees and identifying alternatives that work for them. Whether those alternatives are less taxing or more flexible was unclear, according to this article. So, yeah, mega cycle right now in Amazon is trending today. And of course, Jeff Bezos just stepping down. So he doesn't need to deal with this drama now. Nope. <laughs> and uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, guess who's coming back to MTV after being fired this past summer? Uh, it's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Viacom has reestablished its working relationship with Nick Cannon. If you don't remember, the move comes as a result of the steps that the performer and producer has taken to engage and partner with Jewish leadership uh, leaders um, and making amends for anti-Semitic statements he made last summer that led to Viacom CBS to cut its ties to Cannon. Production on new episodes of the show Wild and Out are expected to resume at some point be, uh, beyond the near future. An MTV spokesperson said that Nick has not only apologized and taken responsibility for his comments, but he has also worked to educate himself. So can we finally stop saying that cancel culture is real? Because honestly, I think this proves that if you take accountability and the steps moving forward, then no one will cancel you. Now, to wrap up the T-Report, I want to give you a special chance to win your way into an exclusive pay-per-view concert special with the artist Max and his Color Vision Deluxe experience on Saturday, February 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Head over to We Are Channel Q and enter for your chance to win a pair of passes plus a VIP meet and greet. Are you kidding me? This is so epic. If you can't win here, you can buy tickets at livexlive.com slash Max, or just head over to WeirdChannelQ.com and enter to win. Contest ends literally midnight on February 21st. So get to it, honey. That's your tea report. Now coming up on the show, Governor Cuomo has signed a legislation repealing the walking while trans ban. We'll tell you more about that with Black Trans Nation. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Cuomo has signed a legislation repealing portions of a law known as the Walking While Trans Ban that led to arbitrary and discriminatory policing of transgender women. The law was passed in 1966 with the intent to prohibit loitering for the purpose of prostitution, but it was abused for the arrest of law-abiding transgender and cisgender women of color. And here to share more is T.S. Candy, Executive Director of Black Trans Nation. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So can you share the importance of this move um, and what the Walking Well Trans Law meant to you? Yes. So two years ago, when I moved to NYC, uh, NYC a NYPD officer um, used Penalol 240.37 to profile course and force me to perform sexual acts. While thankfully I wasn't arrested, to this day, the trauma is still very real for me. Yeah. And in this moment, I can't help but to think about my siblings, Lorena Boras and Lainley Polyanko. 
This is so sad. One, I didn't even know about this. The, uh, the fact that this could literally target, and it is targeting black trans women or just trans folks in general, if they are seen outside after midnight. Well, I mean, this feels like all the, the things that black folks were kind of the stop and frisk. So this movement to kind of repeal this, is this something that gives you hope that there, that it's going to kind of change? Or is there still going to be those police officers who don't care? Yeah, so thank you for that. While I'm while I'm happy that this law is finally repealed and records will be sealed, um, it's an understatement. And though that the trauma won't go away, and this moment, knowing that no one will ever be profiled or experience trauma like mine again mm-hmm. uh, because of this law, will for sure help me and many of us move forward with our healing. In reference to police officers, I'm still utilizing this particular law um, once it's removed. Um, That's why it's important for us leaders and organizations that has been on the front for front face fighting this law um, to give our community the the know their rights campaign where where we will go out and educate you know individuals on their rights. So important. TS Candy again is with us from Black Trans Nation. With that said, what would you want to share with Governor Cuomo right now and with those in um, the community, the police officers who are still out there working right now? Well, I would like to say a Democrat, a Democratic led legislation legislator and under the leadership of black women and brown, a brown man repealed a law that's created by white led uh, Republican legislator in the 1970s. And um, I would like to say when a governor Como signs this bill, thank you for signing this bill into law. It, 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 it signify a new era and an era that talks about the criminalization and dehumanization of the TGNC communities. One that is ready to acknowledge the past and the present systematic harms and to take the necessary steps toward not only system changes, but also culture changes where all of us are free to live our best lives. I mean, period. I don't even know how we go on for that because you said everything that needs to be said. But I do think about, you know, this is happening in New York City, which is great. But are we seeing this change happen in other states across the country? Are, you know, trans women are constantly being attacked and, you know, and, and you know, basically stigmatized and, and pointed out. Yeah, so that's why it's important. I've been working with at the Shana Brooks with starting a, a a movement in the Atlanta, Georgia area with the whole uh, decriminalization of sex work so that we can do this as a national platform. Uh, because even though New York State is the very first state and um, all 50 states to repeal such a, a prostitution law, we know that there's prostitution law in the rest of the 49 states. And we do know that we are being charged and profiled and stopped in frisk for these particular crimes, especially in the South where the Jim Crow laws still exist. So it's really important for us to decriminalize sex work. What can we all do as allies to support this? Yes. One, donate your funds to the the, the Black-led transgender community. Two, let, bring us to the table. Have us at the funding table. Make sure that we're at the tables with the policy making and the policy changings. Three, if you see us walking down the street, give us some protein. Give us a banana. You know, yes, um, yes. give us some food. And, or, you know, if you see something for our white allies, if you see something, say something. And call your city councils, your political um, advocates to, you know, come out to a trans meeting or to, um, and I want to say, please follow Black Trans Nation. We're doing great work. We're on the ground and we would love to help you, you and you um, and prevent everyone from selling sex and for them to have the best lives. Well, you said it. You're amazing. I love your passion and everything you're doing. T.S. Candy, Executive Director of Black Trans Nation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Coming up on the show, Rihanna, Baron Davis, and more celebrities have been posting about farmers protesting in India, asking, why isn't anyone covering this? Well, we are, and we're going to share why you should know about what's happening in India next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Since August of 2020, farmers in India have been protesting against the government and actually staged the largest protest in history. But did you know about it? Probably not. 
One of the reasons is because the discussion is being censored on social media, among many other things. But this week, American celebrities started to catch on sharing the message. And joining us right now is one of the activists around this movement, Indy Rishi Singh. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you guys for hosting me. Thanks so much for doing what you guys do and bringing awareness about really meaningful subjects. I appreciate that. So let's start with some context. What is happening in India exactly right now and why should it matter to folks listening? Um, you know, I, I first of all, I implore that people go and research, do their own research. I, I believe curiosity is very important and never let other people tell you what's going on. Um, but like research and there's a great video on Vox um, about the farmers protest that's very, you know, just, just like see, shows you the whole picture, but really, this, this has been a, something that's been brewing for a while. Um, there's been um, a, an epidemic of uh, farmer suicides over the past 30 years in India, uh, but here in America too, by the way, but that's a whole other conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that later. But um, in India, it's been a big deal because the Indian, Indian culture is really grounded in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And um, the bills that were proposed during the pandemic in August this past year, in the summer of this past year in 2020, it was passed while everybody was in, a, in, in lockdown. And it was like the farmers weren't included in the conversation of these bills and these bills are very toxic to the farmers to rural to the rural um nature of the whole country and of the the farming and food industry um and so it really is disempowering to farmers and when it started in the summer um it started uh was, was initially started by just a group of farmers and the sikhs were a big part of that the sikhs are, are basically a very the religion of sikhism is built around farming which is also what, what something to understand about Sikh history is there's been three genocides that Sikhs have already experienced within India in the past hundred years, wow. right? The, the Indian government has imposed those genocides on the Sikh people, right? That's something to think about. People need to have that frame of reference. So right now what's going on is they're now calling for, like literally there's Bollywood celebrities that are calling for genocide on the Sikh people right now. Wow. And the, the government is cracking down on Sikh farmers, not just Sikh farmers now, there's other farmers from around the world that are joining and they're putting them into that same category. They're like, they're terrorists, right? And if you understand them as sick people, we're like anything but terrorists. We're like the opposite. Yeah. Spectrum. It's really crazy that that's happening. And I think that's, it's interesting you brought up how Bollywood celebrities are a part of this. And I think the only way that really things are brought to our attention here in the States are through celebrity culture, right? And the thing that I saw was Rihanna tweet something saying, well, why aren't you talking about this? So how important is it for celebrities to be one, knowledgeable, but then also make sure that the message is getting clear and we are bringing this to the conversation? She scared the Indian government more than anybody has so far in the past six months. Like what her tweet sent like a, a like a like a ripple effect all across and they like had to come out with statements indian government like they were scared of rihanna more than all the protests that were happening because her voice amplified something that's really bad that's happening right and like like it's crazy like what's happening in india is like what happened before the genocide of the, the jews and so when she did that and the response by the indian government shows that they are concerned what celebrities think especially outside of india they are they are concerned they wouldn't have reacted that way if that if that was the case. So you're saying obviously rights are being taken away in censorship, which leads to the beginning of feeling of like a possible genocide of a group of people. But what exactly was um, pitched? What were these laws that were pitched that made them feel this way? And like, why would why would it resonate then to the domino effect of impacting people here in America? I'll summarize the third farm bill, which more specifically than anything else, makes it impossible for farmers to sue corporations if there's any bad practices. Like literally the third bill is like farmers can't sue the corporations, wow. right? And when there's not accountability, that's a dangerous territory with yeah. any industry, right? Any industry. We know this. We are in America. When there's not liability, you know something's going wrong. Something's off. That it's so true. I, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people, and it's interesting that you're saying even the Bollywood celebrities are like being pro kind of capitalism in this state and not thinking about, you know, what, how that really can affect just other countries. Like, don't we in here in the States even benefit off of the ag agricultural like lifestyle he like here? Yeah, check this out. I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan. I was, when I was on the clubhouse call the other day, I had to do some research and I was looking at America and I don't think people realize between 1992 and 2010, more farmers in America committed suicide than homicides. Like, think about that for a second. In America, more farmers committed suicide than homicides total in 30 wow. years. What the farmers or India are fighting for right now is what we already lost in America. Americans don't know where their food is made. They don't know the GMOs, the 
pesticides. Where are, we have chronic illnesses in America because of the, the lack of support for the farmers, because corporations have taken over the farmland. There's monocropping. The soil is dead. By the way, climate change is a part of that, right? When our soil is like unhealthy, the, there's no sequestration of the carbon, right? We don't create um, oxygen. So this problem, this India thing is actually not an India problem only. It's all of us. Thank you so much again to Indy Rishi Singh for joining us today. We appreciate everything you are sharing with us. It's so important. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how to grow and respond when you're called out on social media because it happens to the best of us. I mean, also, this Plus, is a personal thing, too. What? Oh, it's very personal. I'm triggered. Very triggered right now. Can you just uh, take over for the rest of the show? Yes, of uh, course. Plus, <laughs> how not to be a super spreader on Super Bowl weekend. It's almost like a tongue twister. <laughs> because the CDC just re- released these uh, virtual guidelines. So they're here to help and we are here to help you too. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President uh, Joe Biden is exploring sending protective face masks directly to all Americans to help fight the spread of COVID-19 after former President Donald Trump scrapped the same initiative last year. Biden has called on Americans to wear face masks for the next 100 days, even as more than 440,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the U.S. Half of Americans don't regularly wear masks in large groups. And at least 20 states are currently considering at least 31 bills that would attack the rights of transgender people, mostly attacking transgender youth, as more state lawmakers file bills to tear away at the limited rights and protections that currently exist for transgender people. Georgia Representative Philip Singleton filed a bill yesterday that makes the state the 17th in the nation to consider a bill that would ban transgender girls and women from competing in school sports as their gender. This is something we've been talking about so much, and it's just horrible to have to continue to repeat these stories as more Republicans try to juice in their states. Uh, But again, there are organizations working to do something about it, and hopefully these won't be passed. But just the fact that the bill is filed is a threat to all those in the LGBTQ plus community. And finally, as part of a marathon session of voting on amendments to Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package, the Senate late Thursday approved by voice note, a measure prohibiting an increase of the federal minimum wage during the global pandemic. So I guess it's official right now. Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa who brought up the amendment, said a $15 federal minimum wage would be devastating for our hardest hit small businesses at a time when they can least afford it. And this is, of course, a trope slash narrative from a lot of the Republicans. But Nancy Pelosi has said she will continue to fight for it. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Ryan Seacrest is saying goodbye to the red carpet. It is time for your tea report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So big news yesterday, it dropped. He literally announced that he is stepping down from one of his many hosting gigs. Um, he said this, after 14 years of hosting Ease Live from the red carpet, I've decided to move on to new adventures. I miss the whole crew that works so hard behind the scenes. And of course, my amazing partner, Juliana. Um, he, of course, released a statement once Ryan broke the news saying he has been instrumental in giving viewers a front row seat to some of Hollywood's biggest nights. So, yeah, was this a shocker to you? 14 years, pretty long time. Yeah, but he's been kind of falling apart, so <laughs> this can go many ways. No, it's true. I mean, either they did not have the budget to renew his contract, let's be real here, and also he's had a good run. Yeah, it's probably time for him to move on. He works, what, for ABC doing his show? Is it ABC? Yes, it's Ryan and Kelly. Oh my God. I think Shira, Shira's dragging E because they never hired her. That's literally what it is. Are you really going to start with me right now, Ryan Mitchell? Oh my God. Well, no, I'm not. Because I got to tell everyone how they have a chance to win their way into an exclusive pay per view concert special with Max and his Color Vision Deluxe Experience. On Saturday, February 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com and enter for your chance to win a pair of passes plus a VIP meet and greet with Max. You, of course, can buy tickets at LiveXLive.com slash Max or just head over to WeAreChannelQ.com for all the details and enter to win. The contest ends midnight, February 21st, so you better hurry up. You got a couple weeks. Get into it, and that's your T-Report. Coming up next, how to not just get triggered, but how to grow 
from being called out on social media. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. With all our lives happening on social media these days, personally, professionally, getting called out can really suck. So how do you take that as an opportunity to grow? It's possible. Estefa Francisque is with us, an Oakland-based therapist. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So first, let's unpack some of the emotions that you might experience when you get called out, including on social media. Is it the same as being called out in person? And this is triggering, um, by the way, because uh, someone on the show <laughs> having has, a heart has dealt with this before. <laughs> So it can be the same in a way it can actually be worse, right? Because when you're called out in person, there may not be hundreds or thousands of people who can potentially see you being called out. Yeah, true. true. Uh, that, <laughs> that's, that's very true. Um, but I, I think it, it's interesting how we've seen kind of call out culture or cancer culture or whatever you want to see it. And this idea of holding people accountable. But a lot of times right. I think people think, oh, well, if I said something in the past, that means I've grown so much at this point. How do people kind of gauge this idea of growth um, while also listening to the feedback that they're they're getting from folks? Right. You know, I think you can never mess up by erring too much on the side of listening, right? So if you ask a lot of questions, if you maybe are willing to get more perspective from the person, that extra self-reflection can be immensely helpful towards making it a productive exchange. What happens though to someone when they see something like that? Let's let's go as a therapist. Like, what are you yeah. hearing? What should people take notice of? And when should that be something that they should really look at? Yeah. Okay. Great question. So I think first of all, when it does happen, right? We talk a lot about feeling anger, um, but beneath anger are often a lot of other emotions, right? We can feel embarrassment. We can feel shame. We can feel guilt. We can feel um, just a lot of other things beneath that anger. So the more self-reflective we are and aware of our emotions, kind of the better. The likelihood that we kind of lash out in defensiveness and give like an unproductive conversation. I think another important thing to think about is kind of your privilege in relation to the other person, right? So if the other person is bringing up something and they may be from a less privileged uh, population, especially when it comes to that topic, then it kind of behooves you even more to kind of stop and reflect and maybe um, kind of look into what they're saying, right? And look into the possibility that they might be right. And that can actually really help towards fostering like a stronger relationship with this person. Stefa Francisque is with us again, who's an Oakland-based therapist as we talk about how to deal with being called out on social media. So I, I gotta admit here, I think I am uh, someone who has no problem with calling folks out. And I, I think this conversation is really interesting, right? When you're presented with some information, you automatically kind of have an opinion. What should people right. be thinking about if they are the people who are calling folks out when it comes to interacting with the other person that they're calling out? Um, I think it's important to think about like, okay, do they have a point? Is there something I can learn from this? Is there something that I am missing? What is the opportunity for me here to grow as a person? I think there's always something that you can take away, even if you do your work and you maybe you're right, but it, it helps to kind of look into it. So with that said, how does implicit bias play into this? Yeah, so um, implicit bias is uh, kind of a big deal in this, right? Because this can cause us to really like say things and put our foot, or put our foot in our mouth, so to speak. Um, and so we can easily find ourselves kind of saying things that are really hurtful or offensive to people likely out of ignorance, right? Um, but once again, I won't necessarily judge a person on what they say initially, but what you really want to think about is, how am I going to react now to the call out? How am I going to react now to the criticism? Am I going to hold on to my implicit bias, kind of like that, that security blanket? Or am I going to be willing to like let it go and, and, and grow from this? And because I think oftentimes people could be saying something, but it's because social media doesn't have a tone. You don't really mm -hmm. know how yeah. to accept it, right? So should we take a step back and reread yeah. and be like, oh, well, maybe they didn't mean it in a, such a harsh way that I'm interpreting it. Like, how do you reevaluate, like, why that's so triggering to you? So like I said, right, it's helpful to be um, kind of to tap into those emotions, to tap into what it triggers in you. Um, another big part of it, right, the reason why being called out is so difficult is because we all kind of have this picture of who we believe ourselves to be. We have this image of ourselves. And when we get called out, um, that can get kind of damaged or fall under attack. And that can be really distressing. 
So do you have any tips of what to do? How do you, how do you forgive or create some sort of communication with someone if they've called you out on social media? We've talked about this, Ryan, because I've been called out and Ryan was preparing me with like what I would say if it got worse, Uh, (laughs) I was prepping myself. Uh, What would you say to that? Yeah. So I think it's important to take a relational approach, right? What you want to think about is what is my goal with this person? Is this somebody who I hope to maintain a friendship or some kind of relationship with? Um, I give my clients generally three goals in an exchange. You're either trying to assert yourself, you're trying to deepen or strengthen the relationship that you have with that person, or you're just trying to come out with your dignity or your self-respect, even if you leave empty-handed or leave without the relationship. So I think it's important to kind of pick a priority and and talk towards that. Okay, that was Estafa Franciscan, Oakland-based therapist. Thanks again for being with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. It's Friday. I wanted to give a little special. Okay, a little spice. Mm -hmm. Feeling it. When Evelyn Uba first migrated to the United States from Nigeria in 1983, she dreamed of one day finishing law school and becoming a lawyer. Now, after nearly a decade of hard work and dedication, the California mom went viral when her daughter posted a video of her jumping for joy after passing her state's bar exam. I love this. It was posted on Twitter and the caption said this. My mom finished law school in 2011 and has been studying for the California bar exam using four kids and working full time for the past 10 years. Today, she passed the bar. I just got chills. Wait, really? uh, Yes. Yeah. That's so exciting. I love that. I keep saying it, but you cannot. You can't give up. So I have to practice what I preach. Perseverance. You don't give up. You keep trying. Exactly. So we want to congratulate Evelyn Uba for this huge accomplishment and for doing, you know, amazing work at mom, hero's work, really taking care of children while making your dreams come true. What an icon, what an inspiration. And to all the mothers out there and parents out there doing all this, right? Having multiple jobs while continuing to live their lives. We give you a shout out today on the show. Yes, uh, Shira wrote that just for you. Um, but no, I, on a serious note, we literally had a conversation about, you know, women being basically thrown out of the workforce because of the pandemic. Yeah. And I think it is so important to highlight stories like these. If you don't know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, head over to wearechannelq.com, radio.com, find your podcast, let's go there, all those good things. Um, but it's such an important conversation because women like that makes it possible for us to see that, guess what? They're not going anywhere in the workforce. They are here to stay and they're incredible. And I I just love stories like these. Yeah. And for those who have kids or are going to have kids and think like my life or career is over, we need to see role models like this showing us that it's possible at every level. Is she your role model? Love that. I met her and she is a role model. Sure. (laughs) If I met her, I'd be like, you are my hero. I mean, come on. I can barely handle life myself, but I live alone and work in my bedroom. Give me a break. And uh, that does it for our show today. Yes, Queen. Yeah, we need a little Yes, Queen closer. We are back next week, Monday. We're bringing you what's trending in the news. We're going to be talking about uh, the groups, these deep program groups that are coming up for extremists. I don't know how that works. It's basically like conversion therapy, but for QAnoners. This is wild. And conservatives are calling Jen Psaki's uh, latest tweet homophobic. But is it? We're getting into that next week. And also, we've got some new hours starting on Thursday of next week. We're going from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Pacific. You get us for one more hour and earlier. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Just trying to breathe. Just trying to breathe. (laughs) More of us of our insanity. And again, yeah, we have a pasta, as Ryan mentioned. Let's go there on the Radio.com app or where podcasts are available. Now we are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. See you Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye, y'all.